In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We'll continue our Bible study tonight from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 7. The outline of the chapter, from verse 1 to 10, Jesus heals a centurion's servant. Then from 11 to 17, Jesus raises the son of the widow of Nain. From 18 to 35, John the Baptist sends messengers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last part of the chapter from 36 to 50, a sinful woman forgiven, which is the gospel that we read it every night in the second watch of the midnight hour. So let's start from verse 1. Now, when he concluded all his sayings, in the hearing of the people, he entered Kapnaum. As you know, chapter 6 had like a summary of the Sermon on the Mountain. So when he concluded all his sayings, means the sayings that was mentioned in chapter 6. Then he entered Kapnaum, which is a city in Galilee. Again, I want you to imagine the geography. Galilee is in the north, Judea, where Jerusalem is in the south, and Samaria in the middle. So Galilee in the north, Judea in the south, and Samaria in the middle. So now he is in the north. Galilee, Capernaum, was a city in Galilee. Verse 2, And a certain centurion's servant, who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. A centurion is a Roman officer who was the commander of a hundred men. You know, century is hundred year. Centurion is an officer commander over hundred men. Roman soldiers were stationed throughout Judea in the south, Samaria in the middle, and Galilee in the north. So the Roman soldiers were stationed all over Israel, north, south, and in the middle, to maintain order. This centurion in particular appears to be a devout, kind, humble man. He was a centurion means he was a Gentile and also a Roman soldier. Gentile means a non-Jewish person, a Roman soldier. Roman soldier means he is instrument in the Roman Empire to oppress Israel, to oppress the Jews. But this one was a kind, devout, humble person. Such a person according to the law of Moses, cannot be admitted beyond the court of the Gentiles in the temple. In the temple, there is a court called court of Gentiles. Means the Gentiles are not allowed to go beyond this court. But he could attend Sabbath service in local synagogues. This Gentile officer 
because he was kind and he loves Israel. So even he financed the building of a synagogue in Capernaum from his own money. He financed the building of a synagogue in Capernaum as we will read in verse 5. Also, this centurion had an unusual attitude toward his servant. Under the Roman law, a master had the right to kill his servant. And it was expected that he would do so if the servant became ill or injured to the point that he could not work. So the master, according to the Roman law, has the right to kill him. But this servant, this centurion, was a godly man. So when his servant was sick, and as St. Luke described, he was dear to him and ready to die. He heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. The fame of the Lord Jesus Christ spread all over Israel. So he went to him, asking him to heal his servant, as we read in verse 3. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent the elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. Why he sent elders? Why he did not go by himself? As I told you, the fame of our Lord Jesus Christ as a good teacher and physician, now this fame traveled far and wide all over Israel. And the centurion saw himself, perceived himself as a Gentile. He thought that he is very unworthy and unfit to go by himself to ask a favor from a great teacher like the Lord Jesus Christ. So he did not consider himself worthy to go and meet the Lord Jesus Christ. He was modest and humble. That's why he sent elders from uh, Jews. These elders could be judges and officials or just elders from the synagogue uh, which the centurion had built. And clearly, the centurion did not go with them. He remained at home, as it's clear from verse 6. But the Jewish elders went to the Lord Jesus Christ and bore the request to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read in verse 4, And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. They told him, this man, although he is a Gentile and a centurion, but he is worthy. He is worthy, he is kind, he is humble. In verse 5, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. So from his own pocket, he built a synagogue to Israel. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent the friends to him, saying to him, Lord, 
Do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Was a very humble person. He told him, I am not worthy to enter into my house. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. That is the reason I did not come to you by myself and send the elders. Because I am not worthy to come to you. But I believe that you have authority. Say the words and my servant will be healed. You don't have to come. You don't have to touch him. You don't have to look with your eyes at him. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. So, this narrative of St. Luke is much more detailed than what St. Matthew mentioned. St. Matthew, in order actually to give just a summary, this conversation, according to St. Matthew, as if it happened between the centurion and the Lord. But we know from St. Luke that the centurion did not actually meet the Lord. But the friends delivered this message to the Lord. So, St. Luke explained that the centurion prevented himself from coming in person because of his deep humility and uh, he, he thought it is more befitting that the elder will go and meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, I am sure because this servant was dear to him, so he stayed by the bedside of his dying servant because he was ready to die the servant. He sent elders at the beginning pleading with him. Now he is sending friends to deliver a second message. Second message is that I am not worthy to come into my house. St. Augustine has a comment about this, these words. St. Augustine said, He, the centurion, was feeling unworthy, but he showed himself worthy of Christ entering, not within his walls, but within his heart. So he told him, I am not worthy to enter under my roof. But by saying this, the Lord entered where? Into his heart. Not under his roof, but into the heart of the centurion. So the humility of the centurion appears even stronger. He did not only expect Christ to come to his house, but had not dared even to approach him. So he said, I am not worthy to meet the Lord, also I am not worthy to have him under my roof. The people thought high about him, thought highly about the centurion, but he held a very little opinion about himself. That's true humbleness. Also, the centurion showed great faith in the power of the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he knew that Jesus had true authority. He understood that the Lord Jesus could heal with his word just as easily as with his touch. 
The centurion told him, you don't have to come. Just say a word and my servant will be healed. Verse 8, for I also a man, for I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. He was a head of hundred soldiers. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. So the centurion, he knew about the military chain of command and how the orders of one in authority were wholeheartedly obeyed. So he saw the Lord Jesus Christ has the same authority at least. So this, this faith of the centurion made actually the Lord Jesus Christ marvel at his faith. That's why the Lord in verse 9 said, and when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned it around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Not even in Israel. The Jews actually, they asked to touch the Lord Jesus Christ to be healed. But this man, he believed that even without a touch, the Lord Jesus Christ can heal his son, he, sorry, his servant. So the Lord compared the faith of this centurion with the Israelites. And he marveled at the faith of this centurion and at the unbelief of his own people. Verse 10. And those who were sent, the friends, returning to the house, found the servant well who had been sick. So the Lord Jesus Christ here answered the centurion unselfish request and proved that he really did have the authority that the centurion trusted him to have. Without even seeing the sick person, without touch of hand, without look of eye, the Lord restored health to a dying man. He spoke and the sick was cured. Verse 11. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. This story about Nain is very peculiar to St. Luke. No other evangelist mentioned this story, only St. Luke. Nain is a town situated a mile or two south of Tabor and near Endor, also in Galilee. And his disciples were accompanying him in considerable numbers. 
and a large multitude as usual. Verse 12, And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. So, a dead man was being carried out, out of the city because they used not to bury in the cities. Any funeral in general is a tragedy. But this one was a special loss because the deceased was the only son of his mother and the mother herself was a widow. At that time, women did not work. So, she is a widow means she lost her husband. Now her son is taking care of her and he is the only son. Now the son died. So she doesn't have anyone to support her. Beside the death of the children is the most difficult experience. It's difficult than losing a spouse or losing a sibling or losing a parent. Losing a son or a daughter is one of the most difficult uh, tragedies. That's why a large crowd, a large crowd went with her. The loss she sustained in him, in her son, was very great. That's why the sympathy which she received from her relative friends and a crowd of people was much greater than what was usual in any funeral. Even the Lord Jesus Christ, as we read in verse 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. So in this instance, as in so many others, we see that the miracle of the, of the Lord were worked not from a distinct purpose to offer credentials to himself, no. But the miracles proceeded from his own compassion on the human suffering. When he saw this widow crying and weeping, and the Lord Actually, he is God, so he showed divine compassion, divine pity for the human suffering. According to the Jewish law, the coffin is impure, ceremonially impure. So if you touch the coffin, you will be impure ceremonially, according to the the custom of Israel. But here, as we read in verse 14, then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother as if he is telling him, I, I raised you from death 
to take care of your mother. That's why he presented him to his mother. So once the Lord touched the coffin, the immediate effect of this touch made those who carried the coffin to stood still. Why? They must have marveled that Jesus, who was known as a teacher, how he touched this coffin that most of the rabbis considered this is impurity and avoided to touch uh, any coffin. So they're stopping the people who carried the coffin implied both awe, what he is about to do, and also faith that this touch has a meaning, has a purpose. Then the Lord spoke to the dead man as if he is speaking to an alive person. He told him, young man, I say to you, arise. And this young man rose and sat and started to speak and he presented him to his mother. Verse 16, then fear came upon all and they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen up among us and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. So all the people present, this large crowd, were seized with a religious awe and reverence because Jesus showed in this instance not only the greatness of his power, but the truth of his mission from God. God has sent him, God the Father. So they praised God. They give thanks to God, ascribing this amazing action, amazing miracle to the divine power. And the fame of, Judah, of, of, the, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ went throughout Judea and all surrounding region. As I told you, Galilee in the north. So this miracle happened in the north. So the fame went out throughout all Judea, which means all Israel. All Israel, everybody heard about this miracle. So it is inclusive of the entire domain of the Herods, all the children of the great Herod, and thus having reference to, to the whole of what's today called Palestine or Israel. So this miracle was wrought within a very few miles of Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee. Nazareth is the city of Jesus Christ, but the citizen of Nazareth, his own people, his own relatives, refused to believe in him. And Nain was very close to Nazareth. So this miracle was close enough that Nazareth, the, the Nazarites, who avoided uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, did not believe in him. Now they heard about this miracle that happened in a very close city to them. As if the Lord is giving them another opportunity, another chance to believe in him after they despised him. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ raised three persons from death. The daughter of Jairus, the son of the widow, and Lazarus. 
And St. Augustine had a beautiful comment on these three miracles of raising the dead. St. Augustine saying, as the Lord had mercy on the body, also he has mercy on our souls. So he said, these three miracles are illustrations of Christ's divine power and love in raising our souls that are dead in trespasses and sin to raise our souls from every kind of spiritual death. Whether the soul be dead but not yet carried out like the daughter of Jairus or dead and carried out but not buried like the son of the widow or dead carried and buried like Lazarus. He who raised also, who raised himself from the death on the third day can raise all of us from the death of sin. Therefore, let no one despair. Verse 18. Then the disciples of John reported to him, to John, concerning all these things. So the disciples of John the Baptist went to him and told him about all what the Lord Jesus Christ was doing. Now we have three passages uh, about the relationship between our Lord Jesus Christ and John the Baptist. The first one from verse 18 to 23 Second one from 24 to 30, third one from 31 to 35. So, when we read that the disciples of John reported these things to John the Baptist, we can actually conclude some points here. We can conclude, number one, that the disciples of John were present when the Lord performed these miracles, they were surrounding the Lord Jesus Christ, hearing his teaching and actually seeing his miracles. The second fact that although John was in prison, but his disciples were allowed free access to him. They can go and visit him in prison at any time. And the third fact that uh, St. Luke most probably heard this account that he was about to mention from one of the disciples of St. John. So one of the disciples of St. John, John the Baptist, said to Luke about this account, so he recorded to us. Verse 19, and John calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one? Are you the Messiah? Or do we look for another? This verse actually many scholars interpreted differently. We know from the Gospel of St. John and other passages 
then John the Baptist clearly recognized Jesus as the Messiah. He said about him, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. And he said, he who sent me told me upon whom you will see the Holy Spirit descending like a dove is the one who baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. So he knew that Jesus is the Messiah. So how come he, now he is sending two of his disciples asking, are you the coming one, are you the Messiah, or we should wait for another? Some commentator thought that his question was out of doubt. When he stayed in prison for some time and Jesus did not deliver him from prison, so start he doubted the Lord Jesus Christ. But almost all that early church father believed that he sent his disciples not because he doubted that Jesus is the Messiah, not for his, for his own satisfaction, but for his disciples, to remove all doubt and hesitation from the heart of the disciples about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 20, when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And that very hour, he, Jesus, cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits. And to many blind, he gave sight. So he performed miracles. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Here, the answer to John was twofold. Number one, he demonstrated his power by performing these miracles. And number two, he sent a message, verbal message, with the disciples to John the Baptist. So, Matthew, in his Gospel, he said the Lord just replied by sending a verbal message to John. But Luke explained to us that he sent this verbal message after he performed and demonstrated his miraculous power. The word at this very hour, the hour in which the two disciples of John came to Jesus Christ, St. Cyril has a comment about that very hour. St. Cyril of Alexandria said, he knew as God, Jesus, because he is God, he knew what John's design was in sending to him. He knew that in this very moment, these two disciples will come. And he put it into his heart to send at that very time when he himself was working many miracles 
which were the true answer to the question. So God knew that John will send in this hour. So in this hour, he start performing these miracles in order to send answer to John the Baptist. And the miracles that he did, we can find prophecies about them in Isaiah 29 and 35 and 60. And after the message, he concluded the message to John, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So he's sending the message not to John the Baptist because John was not offended. But he sent this message to those who do not let to those who do not let their preconceived idea prevent them from hearing and accepting Jesus' message. Some people had preconceived idea about Jesus, that he is a man, and he is less than any prophet. That's why they did not believe in him, like his relatives. That's why he said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Those who do not take offense at Jesus for what they think he should be, but who recognized Jesus' true identity as the Son of God and accepted his miracles as signs of his authority and believed in his mission to announce the kingdom. These are indeed the children of God, the citizen of the kingdom of God. The Jews perceived Jesus as a temporal deliverer. Many attempted to reject the Lord Jesus Christ, maybe because of his humble appearance. And because of this, they were about to lose the benefit of receiving salvation through him. But also the Lord said, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. What does this mean? The poor have the gospel preached to them. The word poor can mean either poor in spirit or also the poor mean who do not trust in the riches of the world. For example, the rich man, when the Lord told him, go and sell what you have, he went sorrowful. So here the Lord wants to warn us against trusting in, in riches. So by his poverty and humility, he condemned the pride of this world. As if he is teaching us, he who will not humble himself and became base and poor in spirit and humble in his own eyes cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It is the poor in spirit. It is also those who do not trust in riches, who hear the gospel. But the rich and those who trust in mammon, and those who are great and prideful in their own eyes, they are either too busy or too much gratified with temporal things to pay attention to the voice of God and the message of salvation. Verse 24, when the messengers of John had departed, 
he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in, in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. Why the Lord waited until the two disciples departed? Why did not praise John in their presence? So at least they go to John and tell him, Jesus praised you and said so and so about you. So the Lord refrained from praising John in their presence, lest he should be charged with flattery and hypocrisy. But after these two messengers departed, he praised John, and he explained that John was a great man of God, one who did not live for his own comfort or the approval of others. He said John was steady, steadfast, not shaken easily like a reed, but he was firm in his message of repentance. He was not like a reed swayed by the wind of secular society. People say this, so he will follow them. People change their mind, then he will follow them. No, he was stable, steady. Also John was ascetic person. He did not live in luxury. He lived a disciplined life, not in love of luxury and comfort of this world. As you know, John wore coarse camel hair for his garment. Then he said about John, John was a prophet. Everyone knew that John was a prophet. Uh, and especially John came after hundreds of years, the people did not see any prophet. So many people saw John, heard him, were baptized by him. John was not only a great prophet, although he was a prophet in the deepest, truest sense of the prophet. But the Lord, he said, he was much more than a prophet. In what way? Because he came to prepare the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. We call him the forerunner. Also, he saw the Messiah and baptized him no other prophet baptized like John. John baptized the Lord himself. So he was greater than any other prophet went before him. Verse 27. This is he of whom it is written, written in the book of Malachi. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. So, the Lord here quoted Malachi. And centuries ago, the mission of John the Baptist was foretold uh, and described exactly by Prophet Malachi. Then, verse 28, and this will be the last verse in our Bible study tonight. For I say to you, among those born of women, 
there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And this verse actually confused many scholars. Because after the Lord spoke about John, he is more than a prophet. And after he said that he is the greatest among those born of women, then he said, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. So how the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John? John is the greatest of the old covenant prophets. He's more than old covenant prophet because he was chosen by God to prepare the way as a forerunner to proclaim the coming of the kingdom and to baptize the Lord Jesus Christ. But John the Baptist did not see the coming of the kingdom. He saw the kingdom coming, but he did not see how the kingdom of God was fulfilled and through the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ and through his resurrection, through opening the gates of paradise and transferring all the righteous people from Hades to paradise. John the Baptist himself, when he died, he went to Hades and remained in Hades till the Lord Jesus Christ opened the paradise and transferred Adam and all his children to the paradise. So in other words, the humblest child of the new kingdom is superior to the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. Why? Because now we can be united with Christ through communion. When we die, we don't go to Hades, we go directly to the paradise. In the Old Covenant, the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But now you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit abides in you. So, of those born of women, there was no greater prophet than John the Baptist. But the members of the Church of Christ who are born of water and spirit are greater than John the Baptist. But many of the church fathers, early church fathers, did not accept this interpretation, like John Chrysostom, like Augustine. They had difficulty in accepting this explanation. For them, they suggested that the word the least in the kingdom of God, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. They explained it to mean our Lord himself, because he was younger than John the Baptist by six months. So by lesser or little, St. John Chrysostom said that the Savior referred to himself and less as less than John in age. And also according to the opinion of many, many people esteemed John the Baptist higher than how they esteemed our Lord Jesus Christ. So this concludes our Bible study tonight. I will give a quick summary in Arabic. Uh,
دراسه كتاب المقدس النهارده من لقا صح سبعة لقا صح ستة كان في ملخص للعز على الجبل ف يكمل معلمنا لقا في صح سبعة يقول ولما اكمل اقوالهم اللي هو اللي ذكرت في صح ستة اللي هي احبوا اعدائكم باركوا لعنيكم زي ما اطلق ملخص كده للعزاء على الجبل لما اكمل اقواله كلها في مسامع الشعب دخل كفر نحوم كفر نحوم دي في الجليل افكركم بالخريطة بتاعت اسرائيل الجليل في الشمال اليهودية في الجنوب السميرة في الوسط الشمال في كفر نحوم في نايين في الناصرة اللي كبر سيد المسيح فيها كل المدد دي في الجليل في الشمال كفر نحوم السميرة بحيرة الجليل اللي هي بحيرة طبرية كل ده في الشمال وكان في عبد القائد مئة قائد مئة يعني واحد روماني يعني مش يهودي وحسب القانون الروماني العبيد دولت ما كانش ليهم حقوق فلو قائد روماني العبد بتاعه عي وعي مرض شديد للموت كان ممكن يموته ويقتله ده كان من حقه ولكن هنا نقرأ كان عبد لقائد مئة مريضا مشرفا على الموت يعني كان مريض لدرجة الموت وكان عزيزا عنده ده يبين لنا ان قائد المئة ده كان مختلف عن بقيت الضباط اللي كانوا في الامبراطورية الرومانية كان عنده حنية كان عطوف كان مشفق وكان ايضا عنده ايمان زي ما احنا هنشوف دلوقتي وكان رجل كريم بنى من ماله الخاص مجمع لليهود بالرغم انه مش يهودي ف لما سمع عن يسوع فلما سمع عن يسوع أرسل إليه شيوخ اليهود يسأله أن يأتي ويشفي عبده طب ليه ما رحش قائد المئة بنفسه زي ما هنشوف حسب نفسه غير مستحق فقال أبعد شيوخ ربما من قضاة إسرائيل أو ربما من شيوخ المجمع اللي هو بناب نفسه بعتهم عشان هو شايف أنه مش مستحق أن يقابل السيد المسيح بنفسه كان سمع عنه أن ده معلم كبير فأنا مين عشان أقابله فالشيوخ دولت لما جاءوا إلى يسوع طالبوا إليه باجتهاد قائلين أنه مستحق أن يفعل له هذا قالوا له ده مختلف ده مش زي بقيت الناس الرومان ده إنسان كويس ده بنالنا حتى المجمع لأنه يحب أمتنا وهو بنى لنا المجمع بنى لنا المجمع يعني تبرع من ماله انه يبني لنا المجمع فده مستحق ان يفعل له هذا فالسيد المسيح اتحرك عشان بعدين برضو انه يطلب الشفاء لعبده ده مش ابنه ده عبده ده كان زي ما تلقوا وضع غير معتاد فالسيد المسيح شعر ان ده انسان كويس فقال اروح واشفي ابنه أشفي العبد بتاعه فذهب يسوع معه وإذ كان غير بعيد عن البيت أرسل إليه قائد المئة أصدقاء يقول له أرسل له مجموعة تانية يقولوا له إيه بقى 
يقولوا له يا رب ان قائد ما يقول انا غير مستحق انك تدخل تحت سقف بيتي قال له يا سيد لا تتعب لاني لست مستحقا ان تدخل تحت سقفي يعني شوف تواضع الراجل ده شاف نفسه غير مستحق ان يقابل الرب يسوع بنفسه شاف نفسه غير مستحق ان المسيح يدخل الى بيته منتهى التواضع وقال له ما تتعبش بعدين شوف إيمانه العجيب قال له لذلك لم أحسب نفسي أهلا أن آتي إليك أنا يا رب مش مستحق أن أنا آجي وأبلك بنفسي لكن قل كلمة فيبرأ غلامي أنا واثق فيك يا رب إنك لو قلت كلمة من بعد غلامي ده هيشفي إحنا نقرأ قبل كده عن اليهود يقول لك وكان الجمع يطلبون أن يلمسوه وكل من لمسوا شفيا يعني اليهود حسب إيمانهم لازم ألمس المسيح عشان إيه أشفى إنما هذا الأجنبي الغريب قال مش بحتاج إيفن يلمسه مش بحتاج إيفن يكون موجود في نفس البيت مش بحتاج إيفن يبصله بعنيه ده لو قال كلمة عن بعد هيشفى هذا العبد إيه الإيمان العجيب ده وبعدين أكتر من كده كان إنوي واثق إن المسيح ده أعلى وعنده سلطان قال له لأني أنا أيضا إنسان مرتب يعني لي رتبة تحت سلطان لي جند تحت يدي قائد مئة أقول لهذا اذهب فيذهب ولآخر يأتي فيأتي ولعبد افعل هذا فيفعل أكأنه بيقول له أنت أيضا لك سلطان أنت ممكن تأمر من بعيد أن عبد يشفى فيشفى أنت مش لازم تيك وتخش لغاية البيت مش لازم تشوفه مش لازم تلمسه ده أنا من بعيد قائد بها أقول له ده روح يروح تعالى تعالى اعمل ده يعمله كم وكم أنت أنت تقدر تعمل كده لما ربنا يسوع المسيح سمع كلمات ديا يقول لك ولما سمع يسوع تعجب تعجب منه تعجب من هذا الإيمان تعجب من محبته وإشفاقه على عبده تعجب من توضعه كبير تعجب أيضا من إيمانه العظيم فالتفت إلى الجمع الذي يتبعه وقال أقول لكم لم أجد ولا في إسرائيل إيمانا بمقدار هذا لأن زي ما تلقوا اليهود كانوا بيقولوا لازم نلمسك عشان إيه نشفى إنما الرجل ده قال لا مش لازم أنت قول كلمة من بعد وعبد ده هيشفى عجيب فعلا إيمان وتواضع وشفقت هذا الإنسان الأجنبي وهنا أفتكر الآية اللي قالها ربنا يسوع المسيح يأتون من المشارق والمغارب ويتكئون في حضن إبراهيم أما بنوا الملكوت فيطرحون خارجا ورجع المرسلون إلى البيت فوجدوا العبد المريض قد صح ربنا من بعد شفاه وشفي هذا العبد بعد كده سيد القديس لؤى يحكي لنا عن معجزة لم يذكرها أحد غير القديس لؤى في إنجيله 
يقولوا في اليوم الثاني ذهب إلى مدينة توت عنايين نايين كانت قريبة من ناصرة ناصرة الجليل برضو في الشمال وذهب معه كثيرون من تلاميذه وجمع كثير كان دائما نسيت المسيح لم يمشي معه جمع كثير استسمع تعليمه عايزين يشفوا منه فدائما كان حواليه جمع كثير بس بقى لقاح في حاجة في اليوم ده فلما اقترب إلى باب المدينة إزميت محمول ابن وحيد لأمه وهي أرملة ومعها جمع كثير من المدينة الوصف اللي وصفه قديس لؤة مهم جدا أول حاجة هي أرملة في ذاك الزمان كان الرجال هم اللي بيشتغلوا ويعولوا الأسرة ما كانتش الأسرة الست بتشتغل فده معناه أرملة يعني فقدت زوجها فقدت العائل اللي كان بيعولها وبعد كده ما كانش عندها غير ابن واحد فالابن ده هو اللي بيعولها فلما الأم تفقد زوجها وابنها الوحيد يبقى هي من غير ايه من غير عائل ملهاش حد يعولها ومن هنا كان هذه الجنازة تختلف عن أي جنازة أخرى لأن أم فقدت عائلها الوحيد غير كده يعني أنتوا عارفين أن أصعب فقدان هو فقدان الأولاد أصعب من فقدان الزوج أو الزوجة أصعب من فقدان الأخ أو الأخت أصعب من فقدان الأب أو الأم من أكتر حالات اللي تبقى صعبة هي فقدان الأولاد ومن هنا يقول لك كان معها جمع كثير من المدينة كان تعاطف غير عادي من كل الناس دي فقدت ابنها وابنها الوحيد وابنها اللي بيعولها فكل الشعب كان متعاطف معها فلما رآها الرب تحنن عليها ربنا شافها كده وهي بتبكي وفتحنن عليها وقال لها لا تبكي وده يبين ان ربنا وهو الإله لما بيشوف ألمنا كبشر الله يتحنن علينا في ناس كثيرة تقولك إزاي ربنا سايب الناس بتعاني لا من قال كده في كل ضيقهم تضايق وملاك حضرتي خلصوا ربنا يتألم معنا عندما يرانا نعاني وزي ما نقرأ في سفر الرؤية إن في الأبدية سيمسح الله كل دمعة من عيوننا وده يبين أن ربنا ما كانش بيعمل معجزات علشان بس يعني يظهر نفسه إنما كان بيعمل معجزات إشفاقا على المتألمين إشفاقا على الناس الذين بيعانوا فلما شاف المرأة ديا قال لها لا تبكي ثم تقدم ولمس النعش دي كانت حاجة مش مقبولة عند الربيين لأن حسب الشريعة أن الميت يعتبر نجاسة نجاسة تقصية في الشريعة اليهودية وكان الربيين من اليهود ما يلمسوش لا ميت ولا نعش فلما جاء المسيح بيلمس النعش الناس استغربت فوقف الحاملون استغربوا كده تعمل ايه وربما كانوا سمعوا عن السيد المسيح فقالوا ان اللمسة دي لها معنى بس هم عمرهم يعني مش مستوعبين احنا شفناك بتشفي مرضى لكن ممكن هتقوم ميت فوقفوا منتهشين 
فلقوا السيد المسيح بيكلم الميت لكنه بيكلم واحد حي فقال أيها الشاب لك أقول قم والاستغربهم بقى لدهشتهم فجلس الميت وابتدأ يتكلم فدفعه إلى أمه كلمة دفعه إلى أمه أكيد المسيح بيقول له أنت عارف ليه أنا أومتك من الموت عشان تاخد بالك من أمك خصوصا الوصية بتقول اكرم أباك وأمك قوم بقى وخد بالك أنا بدفعك لأمك عشان عايز أقولك أن في مسؤولية عليك أنك تهتم بوالدتك هذه الأرملة طبعا الجمع كل ما شاف المعجزة دي أول واحد من الميت فأخذ الجميع خوف وبنجد الله قالوا دي قوة إلهية مش قوة بشرية أبدا قائلين قد قام فينا نبي عظيم وافتقد الله شعبه مهين ديا قريبة منين من الناصرة الناصرة رفضت المسيح البلد اللي هو كبر فيها اللي فيها قريبه قالوا عنه مختل ورفضوه وهنا المسيح لما يعمل معجزة قريب من البلد اللي هي رفضته معناها ايه ان لسه بيديرهم فرصة تانية لان كيت الاخبار وصلت هناك في الناصرة نحن نقرأ ان الاخبار وصلت حتى اليهودية في الجنوب يقول وخرج هذا الخبر عنه في كل اليهودية وفي جميع كرة المحيطة تاني نايين تكتفين في الشمال اليهودية في الجنوب والسامرة في الوسط فلما الخبر ينتشر لليهودية معناه انتشر في كل ايه كل اسرائيل يبقى اذا انتشر فين في الناصرة وهنا ربنا بيديهم ما زال فرصة تانية عشان يرجعوا نفسهم ويأمنوا تعرفين السيد المسيح قوم ثلاثة من الموت ده غير ان هو قام بنفسه من الموت قوم ابن ابنة ييروس كانت لسه في البيت ماتت بس ما حد شالها لسه على السرير بتاعها قوم ابن أرمال اثنين ده مات وشالوه بس ما دفنوهش وقوم لعازر اللي مات وشالوه ودفنوه فالقديس أوستينوس قال زي ما ربنا بيهتم بالجسد وموت الجسد هو بيهتم بالأكتر بموت الروح فلو الإنسان ميت بالخطية ولسه يعني ما تشالش ربنا هيقومه زي ابنة ييروس ولو مات بالخطية وابتدوا يشلوه خرج من البيت يعني خرج من الكنيسة برضو لسه في أمل ان ربنا ممكن يقومه ده لو مات وخرج من البيت واندفن وندن قد أنتن له أربعة أيام برضو في أمل ان ربنا يقومه من يموت الخطية اوعى حد يفقد أمل ان ربنا يقومه من موت الخطية ده ربنا اللي قام في اليوم الثالث وانتصر وهدم الموت بنفسه وبقيامته عشان يدينا احنا امل في القيامة من موت الخطيئة مين كان موجود مع المسيح تلاميذ يوحنا يوحنا المعمدان فراحوا فاخبر يوحنا تلاميذه بهذا كله يعني كم تلاميذ يوحنا راحوا ليوحنا في السجن وقالوا له ده المسيح بيعمل وبيعمل ده يقول لنا ايه يقول لنا ان تلاميذ يوحنا كانوا بيتبعوا المسيح يقول لنا ان يوحنا كان يقدر يقابل تلاميذه في السجن كان هم ممكن يقدروا يخرجوا ويروحوا ويقابلوا تلاميذه في السجن 
فيوحنا استحاله يكون شك في السيد المسيح لان ده قال كده والذي ارسلني قال الذي طار الروح القدس نازلا مثل حمامه مستقرا عليه هو الذي يعمد بالروح القدس وانا اشهد ان انا قد رايت الروح القدس وان ده هو اللي هيعمد الناس بالروح القدس لكن كان تلاميذه لسه بيشكوا يا ترى هو ده المسيا ولا لا عشان كده دعا يوحنا اثنين من تلاميذه وارسل الى يسوع قائلا انت هو الاتي ام ننتظر اخر ده مش كلام يوحنا يوحنا ما شكش في المسيح ابدا انما علشان التلاميذ يؤمنوا ان ده بالحقيقه هو المسيح ربنا زي جاوب السؤال ده جاوب بطرقتين هو الله فكان عارف ان التلاميذ جايين يسألوا السؤال ده تلاميذ يوحنا ففي اللحظة دي عمل معجزات كتيرة يقول فلما جاء إليه الرجلان قال يوحنا المعمدان قد أرسلنا إليك قائلا أنت هو الآتي أم ننتظر آخر وفي تلك الساعة شف كثيرين من أمراض وأدواء وأرواح شريرة ووهب البصر لعميان كثيرين فهنا أول حاجة رد السيد المسيح على التلاميذ بالمعجزات وهي قال لهم شفتوا شفتوا بعنيكم فأجاب يسوع اذهب وأخبر يوحنا بما رأيتما وسمعتما سمعوا بقى كرازة الإنجيل وعزات يسوع إن العمي يبصرون دي النبوة الموجودة في أشعية والعرق يمشون والبرصة يطهرون والسم يسمعون والموت يقومون والمساكين يبشرون من هم المساكين المساكين بالروح وايضا الذين لا يثقوا ولا يتكلوا على المال والغنى بشرط الانجيل لكل الناس لكن مين بيقبلها المتواضع المسكين بالروح وايضا الذي لا يتكل على الغنى والمساكين يبشرون طوبة لمن لا يعفر فيها يا بخت اللي ما يشكش فيها يا بخت اللي يؤمن ان انا المسيح ان انا المسيح مخلص العالم لكن اللي يشك فيها ده هيقف عقبة في طريق خلاص بعد ما مشيوا التلميزين فلما مضى رسول يوحنا ابتدأ يقول للجموع عن يوحنا طب ليه ما تكلمش في وجودهم لأن حد يقول ان ده مرائي ده بس بيجامل يوحنا المعمدان فبعد ما مشوا قال لهم ماذا خرجتم إلى البرية لتنظروا وهنا المسيح دافع عن يوحنا لألا حد يفتكر أن يوحنا هو اللي بيشك في المسيح فالمسيح أيضا دافع عن يوحنا قال لهم لا 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 أقعد شك في يوحنا يوحنا ما شكش فيه ده التلاميذ بتوع يوحنا هم اللي كانوا شكين فيه ماذا خرجتم إلى البرية لتنظروا أقصب تحركها الريح هو يوحنا ده كان رأيه يجيبه رأيه يوديه لا ده كان إنسان قوي ثابت وقف قصاد هيرود السؤال له لا يحل لك يوحنا كان ثابت في إيمان وكان قوي وشجاع ما كانش قصبة تحركها الريح ماذا خرجتم لتنظروا أإنسانا لابسا ثيابا نعمة عايش كده في رفاهية هو ذا الذين في اللباس الفاخر والتنعم هم في قصور الملوك يوحنا ما كانش كده يوحنا كان زاهد عاش في البرية كان لباسه من وبر الإبل وكان يأكل جراد وعسل بري كان إنسانا ناسكا وزاهدا 
ما اتخذش بمحبة ملذات العالم لا ما كانش يوحنا قالهم ماذا خرجتم لتزوروا أنبيا آه يوحنا كان نبي بالحق ولكن المسيح قال نعم أقول لكم وأفضل من نبي لأن ما فيش نبي من أنبياء العهد القديم استحق أن يعمد المسيح كما يوحنا عمده ما فيش نبي من العهد القديم جي وهيئ الطريق للمسيح زي ما يوحنا جي وهيئ الطريق للمسيح عشان كده يوحنا أعظم من أنبياء العهد القديم كلهم نعم أقول لكم وأفضل من نبي وبعد كده المسيح ذكر النبوة اللي موجودة في ملاخي عن يوحنا المعمدان هذا هو الذي كتب عنه هأنا أرسل أمام وجهك ملاكي ملاكي عن رسولي الذي يهيئ طريقة قدامك ده جي يوحنا يهيئ الطريق أمام المسيح وهي المسيح بقى آية بتلخبط ناس قال لأن أقول لكم أنه بين المولودين من النساء ليس نبي أعظم من يوحنا المعمدان فيش واحد أعظم من يوحنا المعمدان ولكن الأصغر في ملكوت الله أعظم منه لا دي حيارة المفسرين من هو الأصغر في ملكوت الله بعض المفسرين قالوا يوحنا المعمدان أي نعم شاف المسيا وعمده إنما لم يرى الصليب والقيامة فيوحنا مثلا لما مات لما هيرودس قتله راح فين الجحيم وقعد منتظر في الجحيم لغاية قيامة المسيح والمسيح نقله إلى الفردوس مع كل الأبرار النهاردة أي واحد في العهد الجديد بيتنيح بيروح للفردوس على طول يوحنا أي نعم عمد المسيح لكن إحنا بنتحت مع المسيح بنأكل جسد ونشرب دم ونصير واحدا معه يوحنا شاف الروح القدس نازلا مثل حمامة إنما إحنا بيسكن فينا الروح القدس أنتم هيكل الله وروح الله ساكن فيكم عشان كده أي واحد أصغر واحد في الملكوت الله في العهد الجديد أعظم من يوحنا لأن الروح القدس يحل فينا بنتحد بالمسيح اتحادا حقيقيا في سر التناول أيضا لما بنموت ونفارق العالم بنروح للفردوس مش هنقعد فترة في الجحيم زي ما حصل حصله كل أنبياء العهد القديم برغم التفسير ده مقنع لكن في بعض أباء الكنيسة زي قديس أغسطينس وزي قديس يوحنا ذهبي الفم ما اقتنعوش بالتفسير ده قالوا الأصغر يرمز إلى المسيح نفسه لأنه كان أصغر من يوحنا المعمدان بست أشهر يعني عارفين يوحنا كان اتولد قبل سيد المسيح بست أشهر وقالوا برضو بالنسبة الناس وقتها كانت بتعظم يوحنا المعمدان أكتر من المسيح ففي نظر الناس هو كان أقل من يوحنا المعمدان يوحنا المعمدان قالوا ده إنسان ناسك إنما المسيح ده أكول وشريب خبر محب للعشرين والخطأ فيعني دي كلها التفسير اللي تقالت على الآية دي ممكن نضعها في ذهننا ونقبلها دين ينهي البيبل الساتي بتاعتنا النهاردة لإلهنا المجد والكرامة من الآن وإلى الأبد آمين